Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you the 25th of January. Well done to the Brisbane Heat. BBL winners in 2024. What an awesome win last night against the Sydney Sixers. What a great way to finish. The test match starts today, Australia versus the West Indies. And we march towards the NRL season only a month away, can you believe it? So much to get through as well this morning. Very good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Tales and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. This morning, we're going to make some real inroads. Luke Bradnam will join us first with an update on Cyclone Curly. Yes, there is some severe weather warnings through the central uh, over the next couple of weeks, we are just monitoring that. I don't want to be a scaremonger, and we'll just see where that goes. So he will join us. Matt Canavan will join us as well, the Senator. Australia Day chat, renewables, uh, so much to get through on that as well. We'll catch up with the markets. Anthony Highland will check in, and much, much more. It's a big show. It's Rural Queensland Today. Let's get into it. Senator Matt Canavan, he joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. back firstly to rural Queensland today um, the Senator Honourable Matt Canavan joining me this morning and uh, so much to get through Matt good morning thanks so much for being with us this morning. G'day Dobbo good mate happy new year. Uh, happy new year to yourself we just spoke to uh, Luke Bradnam who's obviously in Bowen at the moment for Channel 9 and, and you know a lot going on in North Queensland with this cyclone obviously um, parts of your electorate and where you live um, look like that they are going to be impacted by some weather in the next couple of days. Not unexpected, but, I mean, you know, it's always a, 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 a sit and watch and waiting time at this moment for anybody in North Queensland or Central Queensland because in the summer, this is what happens. Yeah, it is, it is, Dobbo. And, uh, I mean, people up here are obviously used to it and prepared for it. Uh, uh, and uh, you know we saw during the the, the cans flooding there that uh, there was it was um, remarkable how people reacted and largely kept safe. I think there was there was one fatality that uh, was somewhat associated with the events, which was an absolute tragedy. But main thing is people to keep safe for the next few days. Uh, fortunately, at this stage, at least this cyclone uh, is not at the severe sort of rating. But I think everyone's a bit more worried about the next next uh, few days and even weeks uh, yeah. when the, the rain hits the rain west comes. of central Queensland and it's already in some parts a fairly sodden ground so there might be a lot of flows into rivers and, and, and maybe even some, some river run flooding in places but look uh, it's just something as I say we're prepared for we know about and uh, I'm sure central and north Queensland is going to respond in a typical fashion and then come together. I, um, I, I'm with you on that I, I'm worried about like him and I'm I'm at pains to criticise the Bureau of Meteorology for what they did last year. I've been very scathing of them. But, you know, they're trying to give warnings. Now they're saying it could be potentially five hundred, up to 500 millimetres. Well, towns like Roma, Longreach, Blackall, Barkald and Mount Isa, they can't handle that kind of rain. And um, if that's the case, there's going to be some, some real dramas, uh, which I think everybody – and I've had phone calls from people all across – from Julia Creek all the way down to Roma, people worried about some of the, the reporting from the Bureau of Meteorology – Matt, how, how do we get it a bit better? I mean, no one can ever predict weather. But at the end of last year, the scare tactics and you know that happened from the Labor government with Anastasia Palaszczuk, the former Premier, and the Bureau of Meteorology coming in and, and barking out you know extreme heat and catastrophic and all these words, and the media hopped onto it and it was front page of every paper. And then we saw this 
mass exodus of sell-offs of cattle and I mean, it, it, you know, there could be a class action. You know, the, you know, some of the the loss of earnings that has happened, and, and they got it so horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, look, I, I mean, it, it's a bit hard for me to pinpoint exactly what is going wrong. I, I don't know all the internal workings of the bureau. Something is going wrong. I think there needs to be a proper investigation here. But I also wouldn't put only the bureau in the dock. Obviously, they've got to be accountable. But uh, as you've outlined there, a lot of the problems I think came from the the use of the Bureau's advice to spread spread panic. Uh, I think at times, at least, in pursuit of a political objective to worry people about climate change. Like, yeah. that's what's happening here. And yeah. obviously, I've got some questions about the Bureau and how they approach climate change, whether that's impacting on what they do. But, but you know, in fairness to the Bureau, every major meteorological institute in the world was predicting an El Nino. Uh, the issue is that then the politicians get involved, take that prediction and turn it into to Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, when we get El Ninos all the time, uh, and some El Ninos are strong, some aren't so strong, and you know, as I say, in fairness to the weather forecasters, I, I sort of agree with Yogi Berra that uh, predictions are really difficult, especially when they're about the future. It is very, very tough, and and so we just got to, I think, always have a grain of salt in the media and in politics with any of the predictions. We've got to prepare ourselves, of course, but we should be preparing ourselves for any natural disaster because anything can hit you, uh, as we've seen this summer. Uh, and and um, not not just spread panic through the community, which, as you say, has caused, I think, a lot of heartache in some parts of the farming community where sell-offs occur, occurred at uh, bargain basin prices. Matt, Chris Bowen is in the headlights a lot at the present moment. There was some impact study on renewables and the impact that it has a report that was, um, you know, penned last June, July, uh, around renewables in towns and the impact that it's going to have on it. We all know. We all dead set now. He won't release it. What are they trying to hide? I mean, this – I'm speaking to people who are now getting wind – there's wind farms going up in Julia Creek. I know in, in your area, in central Queensland, it is just absolutely ripe at the moment. Everywhere is going on. People can do what they want. If you, if you want renewables, you get the green light. But if you want to be a farmer and you want to be a grazier and you, you want to be a beef producer, you've got to jump through so many hoops. Why are the Labor government hiding what the impacts are? Because we, I believe they're going to be of negative impacts to communities, but they just won't come out with it. Well, they clearly have something to hide here, I think. Uh, yes, this report was commissioned last year and ministers now had it, I believe, had the final report for a few months. and. And uh, it's just uh, sitting in a drawer somewhere in Canberra. And I think the people, the Australian people, deserve to know uh, what's in this report, what it recommends. Uh, because as you say, so many people's lives are being turned upside down by often foreign shareholders who are clearly here just to make a buck. You know, they're not interested in lowering power prices for people. In fact, some of these operators want power prices to go up, of course, because that means bigger profits for them. Uh, and, and they're doing so in a way that then destroys a lot of people's local ambience, their communities divides communities I've seen all over uh, Queensland happening and uh, something's got to be done now we've got a rally in Canberra in a couple of weeks uh, the first day back uh, uh, for Parliament on the 6th of February uh, you know Chris Bowen should release he's been invited to speak I doubt he'll appear but the least he could do would be to release this report ahead of that rally so the people coming to Canberra can uh, have the same full insights that he, he's got as a minister so there, there will be a renewables rally can you just explain what is actually taking place on the 6th of Feb Yep, yep, for sure. It's being organised by uh, a number of people right around the country. I, I caught up with them on Zoom last week. Uh, they're calling it the uh, Stop Reckless Renewables uh, Rally. 
uh, it's, there's a whole bunch of people that have, have uh, effectively uh, made friends with each other through this fight that's happening all around the country. And they're going, we've had some of these types of rallies at different state parliaments. Yeah. There's a big one in Sydney last year, one in Brisbane. Uh, and then this time they're all going to come to Canberra in one go. So that's Tuesday, the 6th of February. Kick off about 10 a.m. in the morning on the lawns of Parliament House, uh, just in front of Parliament House. There. So if you're in the area or can make it down, you're more than welcome. Uh, the more the merrier. I think people uh, need to travel there. people speaking there. There's a great guy, Steve Noah Kiski. Noah Kiski, I think I might be slightly mispronouncing his name, but he's, he's done a remarkable amount of work mapping out uh, the devastation that these uh, uh, wind and solar factories are causing on our local environment. He's a, he's a, he's a greenie himself. He's actually run for the Greens political party, but I've become good friends with him and he's, he's, uh, he's really woken up to this issue. And as I often say, um, uh, 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 Dobbo, I, I never thought I'd be donning a koala suit in politics and, uh, you know, protesting to protect the little fairy creatures. But I find myself in this position because the Greens political party doing absolutely nothing to protect the local environment. That should be their job. Uh, uh, apart from the impact on communities and people, uh, some of these wind factories here in central Queensland are being put in the most pristine uh, rainforest areas uh, with sugar, where rare sugar gliders, yep. koalas live. Um, we shouldn't be putting these kinds of industrial projects in these places. I, I wouldn't want a coal mine there. I uh, wouldn't even want irrigated farming there. Uh, definitely don't want big, large um, uh, structures that are that are as tall as skyscrapers in a city in these places. Why? And we're talking with Senator Matt Canavan this morning, uh, and the sixth of February, and we will we will cover this. You know, I might even go down. You know, if I can get there, I think that that is an important part. It is so divisive. The only way it changes is a change of government. Am I right in saying that? Because they are hell bent. They are hell-bent, the Labor government, because of the deals they've done with the Greens. And the damage could be done. I'm speaking to, to local councils who have no say whatsoever. This has come from the very top. And in it's never been like this, Matt. It, it, every single community, neighbours that have been best friends for 40 years, no longer yeah, talk to each other. Yeah, like, this yeah. is where it's got to. It, we are all about community in the bush, as you know. And it has divided yeah. all of rural Queensland. You've got no idea, like people just have no idea the kind of destruction it's done on that level, let alone, you know, knocking down mountains, just bulldozing yeah. mountains down, like yeah. natural. Yeah. And this is the same people that reckon there's coral bleaching and they've got vegetation and, and Great Barrier Reef laws, right, that are in yeah. place, yeah. even if you live in yeah. Charleville. Yeah, yeah, a farmer couldn't do it. A farmer would go to jail for yeah. what these foreigners are getting away with, uh, but because, as you said, they're, they're the flavour of the month, they're this clean, green, renewable energy, apparently they can get away with blue murder. And, and look, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't need to change the government. Look, I fear it would need to change the government to see uh, the kind of change that I'd like to see, which is much greater restrictions or outright prohibitions uh, on uh, some of these projects in certain places. I mean, look what we did with calcium gas, where we've taken them off rightly, correctly, said no calcium gas wells on prime agricultural land. Well, there should be similar restrictions here against uh, uh, these industrialised uh, energy projects on prime agricultural land on our prime environmental sites as well. Uh, that should come in place. Now, look, uh, in saying that uh, I think it might change, uh, take a change of government, I do think there's some hope even before an election that, yes, yeah, some individual projects can be stopped. Uh, some, uh, some action can be taken in the most severe and egregious cases. I mean, look at that offshore wind project down off the coast of Victoria. That's been stopped by 
you know, in fairness to the Federal Labor Environment Minister, they wanted to build a massive port on a Ramsar-listed wetland. We've only yeah. got 57 of these pristine wetlands around the country. And uh, these, again, foreign companies want to come in and build a port there. Now, uh, thankfully, Tanya Plibersek has the common sense to say no to that. So there is still hope that, you know, we can, with enough political pressure, make some change. Um, but, you know, in terms of really making a difference across the country, I, I think, you know, your prognosis is right that, you know, it's going to be a matter of the election. Uh, we're a Labor Party committed to an 82% renewable target. They're committed to building other uh, of their net zero plans, solar and wind factories, uh, to, the, to, the, to the extent of the size of half of Victoria. They want to blanket half of Victoria with solar and wind factories across our country is absolutely absurd. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Matt Canavan joining us this morning. We're going to take a quick break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Matt Canavan, Senator Matt Canavan, joining us this morning. Tomorrow is an important day. Um, I, I can't believe how divisive Australia Day has become, Matt. Um, I, 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 I use myself as an example with a, a profile in the media that I am spending it with the family than going to the cricket, and I'd love to put an Instagram post up and say, happy you know, Australia Day. But I just know the hate and vitriol that will come from the woke and the minority groups over me wanting to celebrate living in the greatest country on this earth, it's just not worth it. Um, the approach from some of these major uh, companies, Woolworths in particular, who really, to me, people should take a strong hard look at where they choose to shop at the present moment over what they did, it, it, it just gets on. And the outrage, Peter Dutton uh, said it very well, Just you're looking for reasons to be outraged. You know, it's... It's just got to the point of ridiculous situations. And I don't know what the answer is. Um, I mean, there, there, there could be a possibility we change the date, you know. But tomorrow, the date is the 26th. That's Australia Day. What, how do we get well, through this? Well, I'll come to the date. But I think the most important thing to do is just um, connect back to your local communities and, yeah. and realise that, you know, you're, you're not alone and, and the vast majority of people don't want to see a change the date, especially in... Yeah, in these regional towns and communities where I live, you live, all those activities. You know, people, people, people want to see the date stay where it is. Um, the vast majority of them, and, and so connect back with them and 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 turn down the the loud Australians you see on our, on our media or on social media. Um, and I suppose you know it's been a it's I, I sort of I suppose I should thank all these in, in a sense that their their action has sort of kicked me up the backside to. Uh, spend a bit more money, uh, take a bit more effort to go to the IGA, go to the butcher, go to the baker, yep, and get my stuff there. And, and I'll tell you what, it's great. And in fact, uh, one thing I've been surprised compared to maybe a few years ago is the price of well, is now about the same as the IGA. It used to be, you know, you pay a little bit more to go to the local, but not so much anymore. No. <laughs> Things have changed. So, so get back, you know, take the opportunity to get back to those local businesses, local small businesses. I reckon in the vast majority of cases, they'll, 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 they love their country. They want to celebrate it. They're not, they're not bound to woke activist shareholders or woke activist employees in the major cities like you always are. Uh, so do that. That's the way. I think that's the way forward. And I think a lot of Australians have done that uh, because you've just seen in the last few days the embarrassing, grovelling backflip that uh, the Woolworth CEO was engaged in yesterday where he's out saying he's going to celebrate Australia Day and please don't uh, boycott his shop anymore. Um, we're obviously making a difference. So... Uh, congratulations, Australia. Congratulations to all Australians. You don't have to spend your money with woke activist big businesses. You don't have to do it. 
you work hard for your money. Uh, think think carefully about where you spend it. And if enough of us do that, as happened the last few weeks, we'll get change. Yeah, uh, he he coming out and trying to use the excuse that sales were down, so that's why they don't they they dropped it. Is just garbage. I I, I take offence to that lie. Because they can use that it, and hide behind like that. That, that. That is just well, garbage. It's, to, it's total ridiculous. I mean, I don't think tofu is flying off the shelves, Dobbo, but they no. still stock that, don't they? And 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 he's also he 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 he's been misleading in the last day because this this CEO, the Woolworths company, because in his original statement or in the Woolworths original statement on this issue, uh, yes, they did mention the declining sales of merchandise and their claim of that. But they also said there was a conversation about Australia Day and they were clearly trying to kickstart political change to the date. Uh, that's what they were trying to do. And now they're trying to suggest, no, it was all just about the merchandise sales. Uh, uh, they're only doing that because clearly they've been hit hard by Peter Dutton's boycott call by the actions of Australians, the absolute disgust of Australians about what Woolworths have done. And look, I think they've got a lot to do to regain trust with the Australian people. Uh, yesterday's backflip was a good first step. Um, but I want to see them celebrating Australia Day. You know, I've had pictures sent to me in Woolworths shops where they're celebrating Chinese New Year. They've got posters up, they're selling products uh, uh, that are connected with Chinese New Year, trying to make money off Chinese New Year. Good luck to them. I've got no problem with that. But if you can celebrate the national holiday of another country, why can't you celebrate the national so holiday true. of your own country? So true. Uh, I want to see Australian Day flags in the shops. I, want to, you know, I, mean, I don't really care if they sell the cheap Chinese merchandise. <laughs> I don't no. care. I, you know, who cares? They, we can, I can get that stuff elsewhere. But... But I do want to see them in their shops celebrating Australia Day, putting up posters, putting up Australian flags. Unless they do that, look, I'm happy to go to my local IGA. And I think a lot of people share the same sentiments as you. Will the date ever change, Matt? The rhetoric and the vitriol and everybody going on and and the extremes of the minority, just dumb it down. Is there a possibility that it could change or would it have to go to a referendum? Well, like, I, what, what? I don't think so. I don't think so, Dobber, because the simple fact is what what is your alternative? Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately think we're in this. I mean, what my solution here is have a vote. I think it's have a vote. Yeah. And you can tell the, the lack of courage of my opponents that none of them have supported this, but on this issue. But, you know, let's have a vote. We did it with a voice. It resolved yep. that issue. No one's talking about it anymore. No. So next election, we can just do it an election. I don't want, to, I want a separate election for it. I spent yep. another three or four million dollars. But just have that but in there as the well. next election, just have a piece of paper as well saying, do you support Australia Day remaining on January 26th? Let's put it to a vote, and then and then we'll resolve it like we have with marriage, like we have with um, everything uh, with yeah. the voice, and 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 it's done. And and all these whinges and whiners just won't get the coverage they had in the past because the question is resolved. So they'll be they'll be whistling in the wind. Good luck to them. But that's what I think the resolution is. And then it, it, if that doesn't happen, look, I I just can't. They, they, what's the alternative? I mean, they don't put up anything else because the idea here is, oh, we can't. Some people are saying we can't keep it at January twenty sixth because only only seventy odd percent of people support it, not ninety nine. Well, show me the date where ninety nine percent of people will support. It. It's not there. It's never, no never, no one, so no one's ever going to. The only one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The only one I've said, I've sort of jokingly suggested, Dobbo, we should make the date. What was it, November the fifth or something, when the voice referendum was, because that was the date Australia rejected communism. And that was pretty good Dutch. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, we all came together. You know, a big chunk of us came together to reject communism. So, yeah. you know, that, that was that was a good date. But I, it, that's a joke. I mean, there's no other alternative date. Uh, this, this is uh, one where uh, uh, British British uh, British uh, settlers first interacted in a continuing way with Aboriginal um, uh, the Aboriginal uh, uh, community residents yeah. of Australia yeah. at the time. 
and 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 it, it was no war or fight. It was it was a, it was a peaceful meeting. Now, obviously, things happened post that. Um, it's part of our history, um, but that's a key part of our history. Right? We wouldn't be where we are today without that. And if other countries can celebrate the releasing of criminals uh, like France does. <laughs> You know, um, uh, I mean, I think we'll, we can we can celebrate that, even though it's the history is of course mixed, like all history is. It's not all one way. Yeah, well said, Matt Canavan. Um, really appreciate your time. You're doing a fantastic job as one of our senators. Uh, really appreciate you giving me some time. Uh, happy Australia Day tomorrow, mate. Have a great day. Happy Australia Day too, fellow. Thanks, mate. Good on you, Senator Matt Canavan. We'll take a break. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Luke Bradnam is in the heart of the cyclone, Kiralee, that is expected to hit landfall uh, in the next 24 hours. He's in Bowen. He joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Luke, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. Scary times up there. Hey, uh, thanks. Uh, Good morning to you, Dobbo. Good morning to your listeners. I'm trying to duck in behind the wind at the moment. Uh, Cyclone uh, Kiralee, Tropical Cyclone Kiralee is now about 400 kilometres northeast of where I'm talking to you this morning. But very much making a presence felt, uh, particularly uh, for these uh, c- communities through the Whit Sunday coast. We're expecting uh, Tropical Cyclone Kiralee uh, to, well, the eye of the storm to cross pretty much bang on Townsville late tonight in the early hours of tomorrow morning. But it's these southern communities uh, from Townsville that will A, feel the winds first and be potentially the strongest winds right right now here in Bowen. Uh, this morning, we're waking to winds gusting up around 65 kilometres an hour. Uh, but already on Hamilton Island, we're seeing winds gusting over 100 kilometres an hour. And it's still a long way away, this cyclone. So it shows the, uh, pa- uh, the punch that it can pack. The Bureau telling communities between Cardwell and Proserpine along the coastal fringe uh, to brace themselves for destructive winds, potentially up to 140 kilometres an hour. Uh, what we saw with uh, Jasper, Cyclone Jasper, last yep. month, Dobbo, was the uh, strongest of the winds. Uh, they weren't around the eye. They were actually you always get the strongest wind south of the eye of a cyclone. And we saw those strongest winds around Port Douglas, which is about 150 kilometres south of where the eye crossed the coast. That's where we are in Bowen this morning. We're roughly 150k south of where this eye will cross. So uh, these communities uh, have been through it a billion times, and uh, you know, without being complacent, uh, they know how to handle these situations. But there is a sense of urgency at the moment. That's for sure. Luke, when do they expect it will actually hit land? Like the thing is, because no one knows the ferocity, and then the rain depression to follow. um, It's a waiting game. The bureau can come out and do all the warnings they want. No one really knows the 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 kind of drenching that we're going to get. When will we get a better idea of that? Well, Dobbo, uh, the, the real concern is it has changed uh, the, the forecast tracking map with regards to the rain. Now, as soon as, it, as soon as the cyclone crosses over land, it becomes, again, a tropical low. And uh, the, the concern for me uh, with Kiralee is every day it has changed, the tracking map. And it, uh, two days ago, the southeast corner of, uh, of our state was going to cop an absolute drenching. Yesterday afternoon, that changed. That now it's actually the, the tropical low once it crosses the coast here in Queensland is going to head for the Western Australia coast, going straight through the centre of the nation. Now that means uh, that the drenching rain that was heading towards southeast Queensland is now going to our listeners through the centre of the state. 
Uh, it comes through. This is the, the latest tracking, Dobbo. Yep. Has it going from Townsville, heading in a southwesterly direction through our state, missing the southeast corner, uh, moving into the Northern Territory and actually uh, departing the country via Western Australia coastline. So uh, we're talking about uh, areas, certainly uh, Mount Isa. Charters, uh, Towers, Blackhall, Longreach, through that area. Yeah, right through the guts of it. Yeah, Hewitton, Richmond. You just reminded me, actually, mentioning Charters Towers. Charters Towers need to brace themselves also because by the time this uh, system passes over the coast and steam rolls inland, it's still got the potential to be uh, 90-kilometre-hour wind gusts for listeners around around the Charters Towers area with drenching rain as well. So uh, very much in the firing line in that neck of the woods and uh, and, and through the west, uh, most most uh, most most listeners will feel the effects of Kirrilly one way or another. Yeah, um, the Bureau have been very cautious in in letting everybody know on the ground with the locals. How are they? We we hear it, we read it in the paper. Are they as worried? I, I feel that this is sort of that they expect this in a summer. You're from up there. You, you you know it. You've got family who has been in North Queensland their whole life. Are they just, well, we know this is part and parcel of living in North Queensland. Let's batten down. Oh, very much so. And you've got to remember also that most of the infrastructure in this neck of the woods is built to sustain uh, not not these types of weather systems, but weather systems far greater. I mean, we're talking about today uh, potentially winds up to 140 kilometres an hour. You mentioned my family uh, up in this neck of the woods. My dad was in Mission Beach in his house. Uh, back in uh, 2011 when Yarsi came through, they had 285-kilometre-hour wind gusts. Yeah. Now, when they rebuilt their houses, they re- we- they rebuilt them to uh, withstand that sort of uh, battering. Uh, so, uh, look, I don't think the damage uh, with Kiralee necessarily is going to be from houses. It's going to be from trees. It's going to be from power lines. And it's certainly mo- uh, most certainly going to come from the rainfall and not just for those in the firing line where we are this morning, uh, but also for uh, listeners inland as well. It, it really is uh, one of these things that we'll just have to wait and see. Luke, uh, obviously there's a lot of media in North Queensland. Uh, stay safe um, and we'll get a better idea in the next 24 hours exactly what it looks like. Um, and we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for the insight this morning. Uh, good on you, Dobbo, any time, mate. Good on you. Luke Bradnam from Channel 9. You'll see him uh, nightly on the news, also on the Today Show. Uh, he's a big part of their coverage, and this uh, Cyclone Kiralee expected to hit landfall in the next 24 hours. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's take a look at the markets uh, yesterday around the state. Uh, Dolby um, had a yarding of 3,891 head there. Um, And look, it was strong. Anthony Highland, Grand Daniel Long St George, joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? Uh, Well, thanks, Ben. How are you? All right. Uh, A market live and well. Gee whiz. Um, It's a long time in this game. It's only been a couple of months, but... Steers to restock is getting up to close to five dollars again, and averaging four fifty. Um, an unbelievable yarding of cattle. Um, not the best in the sense, but the market very, very strong. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> they say that like the yard, the yard into the store cattle were were um, probably not you know the standard of last week. On the you know, there's some quality pens there. And this week mightn't have been as good, but. 
market the market went against the cattle and as I say it's probably twenty or thirty up and 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 realistically fifty cents in places on some of the cattle offered there yesterday in the store section but get onto the fat cattle Ben and, and uh, you know the cows stayed true to last week probably didn't see any more gains but a lot of consistency there of two dollars two dollars fifty five to sixty five on the mid runner cows and your good heavy heavy western trip cows at two seventy two and four so no change on last week but consistently all the way through it strong yeah and that's the big thing um, you know like just a lot of a lot of consistency in that cow market at the moment. You know, they all want them. They're trying to find their values, and and anyway, it it's rewarding that you know the cockies are getting rewarded at the moment for them. It's good. How big a demand is there at the works? Is there's obviously no wait time, and with this weather around, you know, trucks are getting delayed. The north is very wet at the present moment. How serious is it? Oh, that's up to them to work out. Ben, we get to sell them, I suppose. They get to buy them. But look, I I think that. That they are all seem to be relatively short, and the weather's been an implication. And and you know we need we need rainy weather to help this market. We've seen it, but I think they've got. I think they're going to have a say it, but there should be a bit of supply for them throughout the year. I think on the back end of the season last year and moving forward, um, I think they're going to need cattle. As you know, the, the biggest plant, the biggest group in in uh, Australia are going to a double shifter. I think pretty shortly, and they're going to want to do it and do it well. So they're going to need need stock, and uh, whilst everyone else needs it, it should just create keep creating the competition to move forward. And uh, yeah, it we've seen an early break in the summer. It's very wet in places, and season's good. Um, you know, if it can keep shaping up that way, well then should be staying should be staying with us. Uh, you know, for for a few more months yet, anyway. And that's the big thing, and that's what we want to see. Uh, we really want to see it just stay the way it is at the present moment, mate. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the the big thing about this market at the present moment is the cattle that are coming forward. How many cattle are there around? Uh, you know, with the panic sell off last year, you know, you would think that there's going to be a point where there is a little bit shortage. A lot of cows got tipped out at the back end of last year uh, in panic. Do you see there's going to be some shortages? Uh, shortage, shortage for the first part. But I mean, there's people that aren't aren't touching cattle just due to the heat, things like that. Uh, it's a hard one to call. I mean, I know we had a lot of a lot of business not done end of last year on price until the last. I think our last radio program was before December or thereabouts, and we had the rain and the market lit up, and and we saw a few numbers hit the market to, to pay a few bills and get ready for Christmas, and and um, you know the I think if the money if the money stays stays pretty right, there there'll be a few cattle come onto the market. It's a good time to sell some stock, Ben. Yeah. You know, last year you know we we didn't want to cop the price, but you know no one enjoyed what what business was about. You know, for the back end of that six months last year, and yep. well, you know, we've seen a we've seen a rise of a dollar. Most blokes have got an extra hundred kilos on their steers. Uh, the feeder price is very, very strong. Uh, you know, it is a good time to sell some stock. Uh, buying, same thing. You got feed. Yeah, everyone wants to use it, yeah. and I think it's right. Yeah, but it, it is a good time to be selling some cattle right at the moment. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, you're dead right, and we'll just wait and see. Um, obviously, 
A lot of a lot of people expecting some rain. What's the talk? I mean, it looks like it's coming through the interior now. Um, everybody hoping not for destruction, but some some filling rain. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they're certainly talking rain, and you know we don't want destruction, but I think they are certainly talking rain, and it might be a bit like back in the Melbourne Cup. Who's going to get it and who's not? I'm not sure, but they're predicting a bit of rain. If, if we can get another inch or two over over now and in through to February, well, it's going to shape it right for the rest of it. And, and mate, not, not just the cattle job, the, you know, these farms will get a crack. Every You know, a lot of farmers here have got, got pretty well full, full moisture sitting in there at the moment and and they'll all be into it, you know, like it, it'll shape it up for everyone involved in the in the industry. And, you know, there's a bit of water coming through the system again, like the river here got bloody horribly dry into last year. Ben, we, you know, it ran for nearly two years straight and it stopped all of a sudden, but there's a bit of water starting to come back into that. You know, everything's starting to starting to look look pretty right. But I suppose we'll just have to see who gets that rain. But as long as they keep predicting it, we've got a chance. Yeah, you're dead right. I uh, appreciate your time this morning, Anthony. Thanks so much for being with us. Happy birthday for the other day, by the way. I saw that. Uh, you're <laughs> older, mate. Uh, appreciate your time this morning. Right, Ben. You have a good week. Good on you, Anthony Highland, Grant, Daniel Long, St. George. Now, let's go and look at the other markets. Gracemere yesterday, 3,000 head, uh, an increased yarding um, at the CQLX Gracemere sale. Uh, cattle were drawn from Collinsville through to Mirrenvale, west to Bohemia Downs. Uh, a good quality yarding through at most of the yard. Conditions improving each week with the green grass. Buyers all present. Lightweight yielding steers sold to 4.33. The best bred lines averaged 3.17 to 3.37. Medium weight pens averaged 3.26 to 3.55. Again, the best bred lines. Heavy yielding steers sold the feed to average 3.05 to 3.55. Lightweight yielding heifers sold 3.33 to record 2.51 to 3.02. Growing steers to feed the top of 3.75 to average 3.10 to 3.48. Bullocks averages are relative to finish. 263 to 300 with sales to top at 310. Trade heifers average 261 to 264, while feeders average 261 to 308. Heavy four score cows reach 275 to average 262. Heavy bulls average 259 to restockers, 239 to processors, uh, 256 to livex. Best bred cows and calves sold from 1,025 to $1,600 per unit. Uh, that was the market there, and obviously uh, a lot going on as well uh, when you look at it, um, that 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 was actually happening. Uh, look, when you look at every market at the present moment um, and you're looking through it, you want to see what's going on. Charters Towers, obviously there is a lot. It is a, a melting pot there at the moment, so we will keep you abreast of what's going on there Um no sale there, no comparison there at the moment um, for what is happening there. And our thoughts are with everybody at Charters Towers because they are in the line as well with what's going on storm-wise. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you. It's Thursday morning, the 25th of January. Well, that's it from us here at Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network for the 25th of January. Tomorrow is Australia Day. I understand not everybody will be celebrating it, but I will be celebrating it with my family because I love this country. Uh, Day change, well, that's not for me to make that decision, uh, but the day we've been given is tomorrow and that's what I'll be celebrating. Have a great weekend. We're back on Monday. The best of will be on Saturday. 
Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, everything this week. We've had a great week. We're back again on Monday. Bill McDonald joins you next. Still then, stay safe on the roads. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. A lot of weather coming through the central. We'll keep you abreast. My thoughts with everybody, let's just hope we don't get the 500 mil. Uh, A nice 100, 150 mil across all of Queensland would be magnificent. We don't need the destruction uh, through there. Our thoughts are with people in Charters Towers and the surrounding areas as well and North Queensland. We are keeping a close eye on it all. Uh, a lot to get through as well. We're back Monday morning, rural Queensland today. Stay safe on the roads. Till next time, it's bye for now.